Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you, and we're very thankful to have you tuning in today. And we're happy to have this opportunity to produce this program with Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi. And we certainly invite you, if you're in the North Mississippi area, to come and worship with us at Sulphur Springs in Caledonia or Macedonia in Ackerman. And we also meet on Wednesday nights in Starkville, Mississippi, Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. at the New Covenant. 
Covenant Church at 200 West Garrett Road. So we'd certainly love to meet you in person. We hope our messages are edifying for you. And if that's the case, you can go to our website and find more content, gospel-of-grace.com. And you can also go to macedonia-pbc.org to get more sermons and messages and content. We certainly love to have you come out and worship with us if you are able. And if you're not in this area, you can go and find a church directory for a church that might be closer to you at our website, gospel-of-grace.com, and you'll find our email there. We'd love to have you email us, and we'd love to correspond with you and answer any questions or any other assistance that we might provide for you. This morning, we'd like to continue our series on Jesus Christ in the law, and this morning, we'd like to focus on the offerings, the various offerings that we see in the Mosaic Law, and some of the lessons that we might glean from that. So we hope these messages have been and will be this morning a blessing to you. And if that's the case, we thank the Lord for it. Please stay tuned with us. Bring that message to you right after the song.
Good morning, and thank you for tuning in and staying with us here on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. During my time on the program, we've been trying to look at the Mosaic Law and the pictures of Jesus Christ that we have in the law. And this morning, in our consideration of that, we've made our way to the offerings in the Old Testament. And there are many different types of offerings that we see in the Mosaic Law. We see a daily offering, weekly, Sabbath offerings, monthly offerings, and then, of course, the most prominent of those being the annual offering on the Day of Atonement. So we'd like to go through a few of those today, and we certainly hope that this consideration will be beneficial for you. First one we'd like to look at this morning is the burnt offering, the burnt offering, and these are presented consistently in multiple places, particularly in Leviticus, but throughout the four primary books, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And on our website, macedonia-pbc.org, you'll find these messages, but you'll also find a link to a PDF with a summary reference guide that gives verse references for all of these as well. So I hope that you can study this on your own. There's a lot of verses for each of these offerings, so we won't take the time to provide that for you, but we would direct you to Macedonia's website where you can find a summary reference guide for the whole Mosaic Law. So the burnt offering. The burnt offering was the generic, most basic form of offering, if you will. It was an atonement for general sins. We find that the requirements for the burnt offering had to be a domesticated animal, not a wild animal. It could be a bullock or a ram or a sheep or a goat or a bird. Had to be male, so a male domesticated animal and without blemish. It had to be spotless, certainly pointing toward Jesus Christ. And what would happen if you presented your personal bullock or your personal ram for a burnt offering, you would put your hands on the head of the animal, figuratively transferring your sin. So now this animal is the representative of your sin. You put your hands on the head of the animal and then you kill your own animal. And the person's part, the person that is presenting the offering, at this point, their work is over. They kill the animal, present it to the priest. The animal is killed on the north side of the altar. I believe that we could say geographically that Calvary was on the north side of Jerusalem. Again, much of this is pointing toward the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Much of these offerings find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So you put your hands on an animal. The animal is now your representative and you are killing the animal on the north side of the altar. Calvary was on the north side of Jerusalem. The priest then takes the blood of the animal and walks all around the altar. If you remember outside, you had the brazen altar as well as the brazen laver. So that brazen altar, the priest takes the blood of the animal. He walks around the whole altar and sprinkles blood in 360 degrees all around the altar. And I think that's a great picture of God's family being out of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue in every direction, north, south, east, and west. And Christ has removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. But you have a 360 degree application of the blood of the burnt offering all around the altar. Again, I believe a picture of God's family from every direction, from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. And then the animal would be divided in pieces and you would wash the inward parts 
Wash the inward parts. And I think that that's pointing toward Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was certainly pure in the inside. He's pure in every aspect of his life, but especially pure in his heart, in his integrity. I mean, even if we might do the or refrain from doing bad things in an external action, many times our heart's not in the right place. Even if we either do the right thing externally or we omit the wrong thing, many times our heart's not in the right place. But Jesus's heart was always in the right place. He was perfectly pure in his inward parts and his legs too, if you will, legs depicting the manner of walk, the manner of life that he engaged in. We can consider Psalm 51 verses 6 to 7 in association with this. David there writing in his conviction of sin, he asked the Lord for truth in his inward parts. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Then the animal will be burnt on the altar and that would come out as a sweet smelling savor to God. Then you have the cleanup. The burnt offering would burn all night until the morning. Then the priest would put on his linen garment and take the ashes remaining and put them beside the altar. And the fire upon the altar was commanded to never be put out. And the priest would burn wood every morning and lay the burnt offering on it. And fire will be burning continually upon that sacrifice which I think is a picture of God's eternal wrath towards sin. But in the amazing mystery of the cross, the eternity of God's wrath was satisfied within six hours on the tree of the cross in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So that is the burnt offering. And there was a burnt offering that was offered on the Day of Atonement. There were other offerings that were specific to the Day of Atonement, but there was also a burnt offering that was offered on the Day of Atonement. So this is somewhat of a personal offering, right? You choose it from your herd as a domesticated animal, not a wild animal. You transfer your sin over to them. It's a personal offering for general sin, a sin I may not be aware of. There's a sin offering offering that I didn't realize I was making a mistake, but later I received more information and I realized that I actually was doing something contrary to God's word. I just didn't know it in the moment. But so much of our sins are sins that we're not aware of. I mean, if you look at just the thought of foolishness as sin and God looks at the thoughts and the intents of our heart, I hope God gives us clarity if we continue to make the same mistakes to, to change those actions. But many times we just don't understand just how exceeding sinful we are. And the burnt offering gives the idea of the general atonement for sins, ones that we we may not even be aware of. And this was supposed to be offered daily, consistently. And our body is supposed to be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. So now we want to look at the sin offering, the sin offering. And this is for ignorant or unwitting sins, if you will. These are circumstances where I acknowledge after the fact that I made a mistake in the moment, but I didn't realize I wasn't directly contradicting, at least in knowing it in the moment, that I was directly going contrary to God's word. But I find that out, and then I want to make restitution for that for a past mistake. And if you found out that that's the case, then you would submit a sin offering. Some examples of that would be if you hear someone swear and you're a witness, but you don't report it. If you accidentally touch something that is unclean, but you didn't know it was unclean. 
If you knew it was unclean and you just decided to thumb your nose at the law, that's different. But I realized I touched something or someone, but I didn't know they were unclean. You find out after the fact, and then you would go offer a sin offering. And then if you swear that you can do something, but actually you're not able to, and you find out after the fact that I just spoke in haste and I wanted to it, I had good intentions, but now I've made an oath that I cannot fulfill. Then you would bring a sin offering unto the priest. And something that's very unique about the sin offering is that the way in which you conduct the sin offering is different based on who's making the offering. And the four different categories, if you will, of different types of sin offerings are the priest, the whole congregation, a ruler, and then the common people. So let's look at the priest first. The, the priest, if he had made a mistake unwittingly and realized after the fact that he needed to make restitution for that, the priest would bring a young bullock without blemish. Remember, much of this similar themes without blemish, pointing toward Jesus Christ as the sinless Son of God, and you're bringing it to the north side of the altar. Remember, Calvary's on the north side of Jerusalem. Then the priest lays hands on the head of the young bullock, and he would kill the animal. And then the, the blood would be taken inside the sanctuary, and the blood would be sprinkled seven times before the veil. Then they would put blood on the four horns of the altar of incense. And you remember that altar of incense? That is depicting the prayers of the saints. And I believe that's us praying for forgiveness. We've made a mistake. We didn't realize it at the moment. Praying for forgiveness. The blood is applied to the four horns of the altar of incense. Then you pour out the rest of the blood on the bottom of the brazen altar. You remove the fat that covers the inwards and all the fat on the inwards. You burn the inward parts and fat upon the altar, but then the rest of the bullock you carry forth outside the camp into a clean space and then the ashes were poured out and you burn the rest of the bullock with fire. Then you have procedures for the whole congregation. If the whole congregation realized that they have made an ignorant, unwitting mistake, they would bring a young bullock for a sin offering. The elders of the congregation would lay their hands on the head of the bullock and kill it. So you have this transfer, if you will, this figurative transfer of the sin unto a representative animal. Remember, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and he is the perfect representative of all of God's people. But you have these, these transfers, if you will, confessing your sins on the, on the head of this animal. And then he would be killed. They would take the blood inside the sanctuary and sprinkle it seven times before the veil. And they would put blood on the four corners of the brazen altar. Now, with the priest, they put it on the altar of incense. Also, I neglected to mention with the priests, remember we're kings and priests now in a New Testament context, right? So the priest would go and they would make sacrifices, uh, put that blood on the altar of incense. Now, the whole congregation, they instead put blood on the four corners of the brazen altar. Then they pour out the rest of the blood before the brazen altar. They remove the fat and the inwards. They burn the parts, and the rest of the book is carried outside the camp, etc., etc. What you'll see with these is many of these offerings between these four categories are similar, but they are also distinct. If you're a ruler and you have made an unwitting mistake and you need to offer a sin offering, you would go get a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, 
ruler would lay his hands on the head of the bullock and he would kill it. There was no sprinkling inside the sanctuary before the veil, but then he would put blood on the four corners of the brazen altar not on the altar of incense. So no sprinkling inside the sanctuary for a ruler and then blood on the brazen altar. And then similar situation, pour out the rest of the blood at the bottom of the brazen altar. You remove the fat, burn the inward parts, but then the rest of it is not necessarily taken outside the camp. And just as a general idea, I'll readily admit as we go through these offerings, I don't necessarily see spiritual significance to every single aspect of this. And I don't have the understanding that I would necessarily like to. And hopefully in years to come, as I continue to meditate on this, maybe I'll have more clarity on it. But just as a general idea, if you think about rulers, as a general disposition, the rulers, especially in Jesus' day, were very wicked, very wicked. There were some exceptions. Nicodemus is an example of that. But the general disposition of the rulers was that they were against Jesus Christ. So I think it's significant that the rulers, there was no sprinkling inside the sanctuary, which is kind of interesting to think about. There were, again, some good men among the rulers, but the majority of the rulers in Jesus' day were very ungodly, unregenerate men. Why did sepulchers? and vipers, as John the Baptist calls them. So there was no sprinkling inside the sanctuary for offerings for the rulers. And then the common people, the common people, there would be a kid of the goats or a female without blemish. It's interesting that this is a female. So most of them are males without blemish, right? But this offering for the common people is actually a female. Very rarely is a female animal commanded to be offered. Similar situation, you have the person laying their hands head to kill it, and there was no sprinkling inside the sanctuary before the veil. Again, possibly a depiction that Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. I mean, obviously there were Jews that did receive him, and there were many among the Jews that did, but the general disposition of the Jews in Jesus' day is that they rejected him. And it's very interesting, the distinction, again, between these four categories here, and I don't understand the significance of all of it, but it is very interesting that the rulers and the common people, their sin offering, there was no sprinkling inside the sanctuary. It was only putting blood on the brazen altar that was outside the sanctuary. And then similar kind of situation, you pour the rest of the blood on the bottom of the brazen altar, and then you remove the fat that covers the inwards and, and all the fat, and you burn the inward parts on the altar, but also this was not taking outside the camp to kill it. So both the priest and the whole congregation, there was sprinkling inside the holy place and the animal that was sacrificed for them was burned outside the camp. But we don't see that with the rulers. We don't see a sprinkling inside the holy place and the animal is not taken outside the camp. We know that Jesus was crucified outside the city, outside the camp, if you will. So it's possible that that's pointing toward both the rulers and many of the rank and file Jews of that day who rejected Jesus Christ, evidencing that they were not among his chosen elect people. There are quite a few other offerings that we'll consider next time. Uh, the 
meat offering, peace offering, trespass, heave, wave, first fruits, et cetera, et cetera. We'll consider some of those next time. But before we close, I want to highlight just very quickly, just kind of the structure of the, the offerings. You have the daily offering, the daily offering that was made twice a day in the third hour of the day, which usually equated to 9 a.m., and then the ninth hour of the day that would equate to 3 p.m., which not coincidentally, those are the hours in which Jesus Christ was on the cross. From the third hour to the ninth hour, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and those were the times of the daily offerings. So daily, there would be two lambs of the first year without spot offered continually for a burnt offering, one lamb in the morning and one lamb in the evening. And they would be offered with a tenth deal of flour mingled with oil and wine. Some of this stuff, we're not going to elaborate on it, but some of these anointings of these offerings should bring some bales, oil and wine. They would be there would be a meal offering, which is a grain offering and a drink offering, would be offered with those two lambs. So it's just really amazing to think about the fact that at the same time, just a little bit away, that that lamb without blemish was being offered at 3 p.m. over at the temple was when the Lamb of God on the cross gave up the ghost and he was offered once without blemish to take away our sins. Then you have the weekly Sabbath offerings that were offered on the seventh day of the week or on Saturday. Two lambs of the first year without spot. And again, two deals of flour and a meat offering. And then there would be a drink offering as well. It was offered on the Sabbath. And then monthly, at the beginning of each month, the first day of the month, you had to make more offerings. You would make offer two young bullocks, one ram, and seven lambs of the first year without spot. One kid of the goats for a sin offering at the beginning of the month, a meat offering for a bullock and for a ram, and then a drink offering for the bullock and the ram and also a lamb. So you have daily, weekly, monthly, and then you have annual, the most prominent of those being the Day of Atonement. And maybe one of the biggest takeaways, obviously much of this is pointing toward Jesus Christ with being a lamb without blemish. You have the imputation of sin by the laying on of the head of these animals. You have them being slain on the north side of the altar and being burned without the camp, all pointing toward Jesus Christ. But we find with those daily offerings that there's, there was a continual offering, right? And our bodies are called to be a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12 and in verse 1. So now in our holy priesthood, we're called to make daily sacrifices, to be praying without ceasing, to give thanks without ceasing, and all these other things that are offering back unto God. Much of these offerings are pointing toward Jesus Christ, but also it's our responsibility that our bodies are a living sacrifice, on a day-in, day-out basis in honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. Next time, we'll consider all the rest of the offerings, and then in a later message, we'll focus specifically on the Day of Atonement as that was one of the most important things, not just in the law, but the Day of Atonement was one of the most important topics in all of the Old Testament. So we want to make sure we spend specific time on that considering the Day of Atonement. So we hope these thoughts have been edifying for you. And if that's the case, we thank the Lord for it. And we certainly invite you to tune in with us for later messages if you have an opportunity. May God bless you on this Lord's Day.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.